On today's episode of the Blue Bloods, a wild bowl season is halfway done, and there have been so many great moments already. Today, we will recap all four games from this past weekend and also recap two wild games from last week in which a giant upset rocked the college football world along with a few punches. We've had an ex- we have an explosive episode, so let's get this thing started. So with our first matchup, we went out a little bit out of order this episode. We're bringing y'all more recap episodes this week, but we figured we cover the biggest games that have happened so far. We have the Walk-Ons Independence Bowl, and I don't, like to, I don't like to brag, but we told you so. We both pick Louisiana Tech over Miami, and holy hell, 14, 14 points – no points for Miami later and a little bit of Tate Martell action. We have the Hurricanes going down embarrassingly to Louisiana Tech. Yeah, and this game didn't come without consequences for uh, at least one of Miami's staff. So Danny Ness is done, gone, see you never. He got fired following this game as he should have. That's a fact. I mean, Louisiana Tech was good. They're now ten and three. They're not fourteen nothing good. No, absolutely not. I mean, and this is the Louisiana Tech team that we've seen all year. But um, I mean, they've been they've been consistently good this year. Uh, but they play in the Conference USA, and there's a little bit of a difference in the talent gap from Conference USA to the ACC. So this game should not have been the way that it was. I mean, Miami should be embarrassed, dude. Okay. These are the QBRs from Miami. We have 11.7, 9.4, and 13.8. Which one was Tate Martell? Uh, 9.7. 13.8. Your boy had the highest QBR. <coughs> he went one for one for seven yards. <laughs> and had the highest QBR. Nikoshi Perry had, went 5 for 13 in an interception. Jaron Williams went 94 yards in an interception. Yeah, absolutely insane. You know me, I don't understand how QBR works. Uh, but what I do know is that when your best quarterback has a 13, not great. And so that's probably uh, where, where Miami went wrong. Just that, awful quarterback play from this team, and I know they're running the game pretty good. Done. Yeah, that that's, that's that's a fact. I mean, you you cannot let this happen. I don't care if it's Appalachian State, Louisiana Tech, anything. As an ACC team, you should have more talent at every position on the field, including coaching. They got out coached, out played, out everything, man. I mean, zero points against Louisiana Tech. Are you joking? Yeah, 14-0 is a tough look. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, 
what can I say other than we told you so? Miami, you know, I like to say this about Virginia Tech, but Miami, they are truly frauds. That, that, that is a fact. I mean – In every sense got, of the word, really. <laughs> you got beat by a Louisiana Tech team whose quarterback also had like a 20 QBR. Not great. They only put up 330 yards. And they had a turnover. And you're going to turn the ball over three times? I mean, are you um, – your top two quarterbacks threw an interception. I mean, but to be fair, I, I heard this stat on ESPN while watching the game. Apparently, Louisiana Tech has, like, the record for, like, the most interceptions in, like, the past, like, year. Really? Yeah, I mean, apparently I they're, very, they're very stingy, but still, Miami, this is ridiculous. You're Now you're six and seven. We just saw your rival, Florida State, fire Willie Taggart after two years. Manny Diaz, your seat is on fire going into next year. If he wasn't a first-year coach, he might be gone. Yeah, that's a fact. I mean, Dan Eno's gone one year. And I believe their five-star running back that they just they, – they signed last year transferring as of now. Oh, um, really? Yeah, I mean, they, they're about to lose recruits out. I mean, if they haven't signed yet, that's a wrap, guys. I mean, when your athletic director has to put out an apology tweet and said this is not acceptable, that's when you know it was a bad game. What year are we in that Florida State and Miami are both just bad at football? I don't know if this has ever happened. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, a Willie Taggart U- USF team might be better than Miami and Florida State. That's, that would be tough. And, and FAU, and FAU literally just we'll preview we'll preview we'll wrap that game up. Uh, another uh, two episodes from now, but got smacked. I mean, just smacked a good SMU team in their bowl game. So, I mean, where does that leave Miami and Florida state as the fourth and fifth best teams in the, in the, in Florida? Yeah. um, And I can't remember if we did this on the podcast or not, but I know that you and I, at least we ranked the teams in Florida and it did not look good for Miami or Florida state. No kidding, dude. Miami had four point yards per pass. And they averaged 2.6 yards rushing against Louisiana Tech. Yeah, it's – what else can I say, though? That's, that's – it's awful. It's terrible. I mean, it just blows my mind. I, I don't understand how that happened. Jamar Smith didn't play a great game, but a, t- a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown, 160 yards, 163 yards through the air, good enough. I mean, if your defense is yeah. shutting out ACC teams, good enough. And then your leading rusher, Justin Henderson, had almost 100 yards. It's going to work, man. I mean, I don't, I don't understand how this happened. Miami has to make some serious, serious changes. And I don't think Manny Diaz is, a long, is around much longer. Yeah, you're right. And, I mean, when you think about it in this sense – there have to be a lot of boosters that were around this Miami program in the 1980s where they were just dominant. And you're telling me that they're going to sit around in 2019 when this team's going six and seven and they're going to be okay with that? No, they're going to pull funding. They're going to put money together. They're going to get Manny Diaz out of there as soon as possible. I would be shocked if, if he doesn't go at least, let's say, four and two for the first half of next season. I'd be shocked if he sticks around. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, but um, this next bowl game we're about to cover, uh, really there's not even a lot to talk about football. I mean, it was a great game, but the end of the game, 
so much more. We have the quick lane bowl, Pittsburgh no. versus Eastern Michigan. And boy, it's pit for everybody else in the country. Yeah. Uh, the pit or Pittsburgh Panthers, depending on your preference, uh, Kenny Pickett fire game. Also UFC at the end. What is better? I mean, we all love to see a good fight. Uh, well, all of us except for Paris Ford, the pit wide receiver who just looked shocked that Eastern Michigan player threw a punch. And the referee, who that was a flop, but it was hilarious. I'm here <laughs> for it. I love that. It's my favorite thing in the whole day. No doubt. I mean, it. Did, okay, to be honest, did any of you guys outside of maybe Nick care about this game? Probably not, but guess what? As soon as the punches were thrown, everyone was tuned in to see the recap of the Quick Lane Bowl, and that's all that matters. Uh, you know, uh, you know, the thing about it is, okay, he threw a punch, right? right. That, 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 that's a fact. Mike Glass the third, in case you guys are wondering, quarterback for Eastern Michigan, he had an amazing game, uh, pretty great. You know, leading rusher with 83 yards and a touchdown, threw for over – 300 yards, had two touchdowns, a costly interception. I, I want to know what was said. It had to be something, right? I mean, d- dude, I, I, there's a lot of trash that, you know, is talked in football that, you know, whatever. But he threw like a haymaker, man. He was like coming. Yeah, and the crazy thing about that is that, you know, You'd expect that to be, like, the wildest thing that happened that day. This game was to be played in Detroit, so that was, like, one of the most mild things that happened in that city. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. But, I mean, you know, you had – I get the frustration bowled over. You're Eastern Michigan. With the loss, you have a losing record now. Now they're 6-7. You have a chance to beat Pitt. You give up a late touchdown. It's third and ten. You get – well, I believe, yeah, he gets sacked, and then you throw a punch, which costs you the game and everything else. And I believe they had a timeout, if I'm not mistaken. So you could stop the clock, and then you still have a shot at the end zone. I don't understand the discipline, like what happened. Uh, it, it's unacceptable. We love to see it, but, man, you have to keep your cool in that situation. Yeah, you have to. And let's talk about that pass that, that put Pitt over the top there. What a beautiful catch. Yes, bombed. Uh, he got mossed. Got mossed. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that's the only thing you really say about it. Um, I mean, he did. I, I mean, it, amazing pass. And, I mean, it, everyone remembers, you know, Tysier Max catch. But let's please not forget that Maurice uh, French, with two Fs, in case you guys are wondering, um, had 165 yards and a touchdown. Right. So they've got they've got two wide receivers. One is Maurice French, the other one is uh Paris Ford. So there's a there's a lot going on there. That there, there is. I, I don't understand. Um, but you know, I, I just want to shout out Kenny Pickett, man. I've been tough on him throughout this season on the podcast. He showed up finally, he made a statement, almost four hundred yards passing, three touchdowns, no turnovers. And throwing the game-winning pass on the mark, son. I mean, it was either going to be caught by his wide receiver or it was going to be an incomplete pass. Uh, it it was it was a great game by Pitt. 
you know, I wish they would have shown more in the rushing game. They, they had less than 100 yards rushing. But when your quarterback's putting up the numbers Kenny Pickett is, you have to lean on the pass game. And they pulled it out. And, I mean, in a bowl game, close to close games even count. It counts as a win, and you move on to next season. So I don't even think it really matters. Yeah, and this win puts Pitt at 8-5 and five for the season. So, I mean, 8-5, and five, that's not an awful record. Uh, that's nothing to be upset about, especially if, I mean, you know, for most teams anyway, unless you're just like a perennial, like, championship contender, you're not going to be upset with 8-5. and five. No one's getting fired over that. Uh, so this was a good win for Pitt. That's a fact. And, you know, it's it's crazy that such a good game is overshadowed by just emotions getting the best of people. As much as, you know, I watched ESPN immediately, like, afterwards right. to see what was going on, it's still kind of a shame. I guess we got to not approve fighting in football, but – Next, we'll move on to a game that uh, people probably tuned off very quickly. Uh, we got the Camping World Bowl early uh, early game on Saturday. We had Notre Dame against Iowa State, and it, it I think this game turned out exactly how both of us predicted. Yeah, it's kind of funny that you say that because, you know, this game wasn't great, like, all the way through, but neither was the other game that was on 11. We'll touch on that later. Uh, but I was in a wedding this weekend. And so I was already at the venue with other groomsmen watching both of these games, flipping back and forth, hoping something exciting would happen. And we were just doing that for most of the game. Yeah, uh, that's a fact. I mean, and I, I think the other, you know, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock game was a lot better in the long run. But, you know, uh, th- this game, he, uh, I think Notre Dame showed the talent that they really had this year. I mean – Really and truly, I mean, between Ian Book, Tony Jones Jr., and Clayton uh, Claypool, I mean, does a team have a more a bigger three-headed monster than that? Yeah, and it's like we said in the preview episode. Um, and this was going to be a good. This was going to be a big game for Ian Book, and uh, that that Tony Jones Jr. is going to have to have a big game, and they both did. I mean, that's uh, uh, when they play that way, they can win almost every single matchup they have. Yeah, that's a fact. I mean, people like to hate on Notre Dame, but this team's talented. I think Ian Book's elite. I picked him to go to the Heisman ceremony. Didn't happen. But he recently announced that he was coming back to Notre Dame for his senior year. I think that this team is going to be a team to look for in the future. They have a good recruiting class coming in. They have Ian Book coming back. I mean, it's going to be amazing. I mean, that 84-yard run by Tony Jones Jr. was just an absolute monster of a run early in the third quarter. Puts them up 27-6 to and really and truly slams the door on any hopes of an Iowa State comeback. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I kind of trashed both of these early games uh, earlier. This was one of those games where I knew who was going to win from the first snap. Whereas the other game, I could have seen a couple of things changing and again, the outcome of the game being completely different. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, Iowa State got held to 272 total yards, only 45 yards rushing on 27 attempts. That's a 1.7 yard average. That cannot happen along with two turnovers. I mean, this game was handed to Notre Dame on a silver platter. Absolutely. Uh, this was Notre Dame's game to win. And, you know, not to brag, we called it. We knew what was going to happen, and it <laughs> came through. I mean, everyone in this country should know what's going to happen. That's true. I, I mean, 
That that game had blowout potential from the jump. I believe that's the game I picked for my biggest blowout. Uh, yeah. I just didn't see it happening. I mean, Brock Purdy played a decent game, but he does what Brock Purdy does, and he didn't make any X factor plays. He didn't throw any touchdowns. You know, he did, he did turn the ball over, but you still have even if you don't turn the ball over, you still have to get your team in the end zone, and I think that is of the utmost importance for a quarterback. And the fact he didn't do that separates him as someone like Ian Book, who I think is in a class above him. So, yeah, Notre Dame takes this one by a large margin. Um, you know, Penn State, Memphis, man, the Cotton Bowl. I watched every minute of this. I didn't have trouble deciding which game to watch. I have a Cotton Bowl bias. And, boy, I was not disappointed. I mean, we had points galore in this game. 53-39 Penn State win over Memphis. What a game. The under never stood a chance in this one. Um, and this was Zach's favorite game, so what a treat for him. <laughs> that, that's a fact. I mean, dude, I don't know where this kid Journey Brown came from, but oh my God, dude. I mean, why, in, why wasn't this kid in every play for Penn State this entire year? That's what I'm saying. And, you know, I'm going to sit here and I'll admit when I'm wrong. Penn State – well, I usually don't, but I will now. Uh, Penn State found out how to score, and they did it. Yeah, and, and – They did, and, they did you know, really well. And it's not thanks to Sean Clifford. I mean, Sean Clifford only had 133 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But, man, this rushing attack ate Memphis up, man. I mean, 400 yards rushing – at a seven-and-a-half-yard average for Penn State. Man, some mistakes by Memphis, I mean, throughout the game, really. Uh, cost them this one. I mean, they, they made that little bit of a comeback toward the end, but it wasn't enough. So it was already too far gone. No, and they couldn't run the ball, man. I mean, they only had 63 yards rushing, 1.9-yard average. I said that's what was going to happen. I didn't think they could run on this Penn State team. They threw for almost 500 yards, man. But they threw two interceptions, like you said, you know, and and they had eight penalties compared to Penn State's two. You're not going to win a game like that. No, absolutely not. Uh, this um, was this was the game that I watched the majority of on Saturday morning. But I, I kind of I was I was kind of hoping for a closer game through and through. This was, I mean, for most of the game, I was like, yeah, Penn State has this one. Oh yeah, for for sure. But I mean, Journey Brown, the guy we, you know, the kid we just highlighted, and also Noah right. Kane. I mean, Noah Kane had almost a hundred yards and also had two touchdowns. And both of these kids come back. Noah Kane out of Baton Rouge, true freshman. Journey Brown, a sophomore. I think this Penn State rushing attack is going to be one to watch next year. And you know, if Sean Clifford can start being somewhat of a playmaker, this Penn State team is going to challenge any Big Ten team that you put in front of them next year. Yeah, I mean, this is a team – listen, get rid of Sean uh, – yeah, Sean Clifford. Um, this defense is filthy. Their rushing attack is filthy. Give them a little bit of time, and they are going to – I mean, I, I could see them winning the Big Ten in time. Oh, yeah. And for Memphis, what happened to, like – defense at all man I mean you get you let a Penn State team where their best player KJ Hamler had two catches for 50 yards no touchdowns no impact and you let them put up 53 points 
it's insane. I mean, they, they did shut him down, but it didn't really matter in the end. No, um, and and I think that, you know, pick six was the backbreaker. I mean, it was a pretty close game around the time of that pick six in the third quarter. Memphis was staging kind of a comeback. I believe they took the lead a little bit before that. But when you're in a back-and-forth game and you allow an interception, I mean, because, yeah, it was a two-point game, and then Garrett Taylor took the 15-yard interception return back, and that just kind of put the game away. I mean, it sealed it. It really yeah. did. Um I, uh, I mean, in Memphis, even past that was driving. I mean, they were down 14 with a couple minutes to go. They yep. almost scored again, and they just couldn't get it done. Yep, and I mean, uh, I think Memphis has a bright future. I think the loss of Mike Norval was huge. I mean, they put up a great effort, but this is the difference that everyone talks about between power five teams and group of five teams. Great offenses, that's amazing. You have to have a defense, and Penn State's defense – really made the back-breaking play that broke this game open for them. And that run game, the offensive line, the physicality of Penn State is really what took this game for them. Yeah, that's fair enough. And so now y'all have been waiting for it. We are coming to the playoff games. And, oh, my God, uh, I'm just going to let y'all know we might get taken off the air because I don't see how Brandon doesn't cuss in this segment. (laughs) We have – the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, Oklahoma versus LSU. And all I want to say is, before I hand it over to Brandon, I'm just going to let him run this game. All hell, Mr. Burrow. Seven touchdown passes, one rushing touchdown. Joe Burrow, it is disrespectful that you told me he wasn't even close to the best quarterback of the decade. Disrespectful. Did you see uh, all the records that he broke? During this oh yeah, game? I, I watched every minute of this game, dude. There was a list. I could okay. I hate I hate this. Shout out Tim, love you, buddy. His his wedding his wedding was about halfway through this game, so I was there. I did not watch most of this. I, I didn't. I did not watch most of this game. That's disappointing. I it and I I did I did rewatch it, but in live time, I did not get to watch most of this game. Um, I watched LSU go up, I think it was like 28 to seven before I had to go. Um, but that, I mean, they scored 49 points before halftime. I mean, they scored 63 points in a playoff game. That's just unheard of. Uh, especially when, I mean, final score 63, 28, this Oklahoma offense that has been so high powered all year, just hit a brick wall when they found LSU's defense. And that just didn't make sense to me. Uh, I mean, we've all seen LSU's defense kind of step up to the plate uh, over the past two games when we played Georgia in the SEC Championship and, in, and Texas A&M during rivalry week. But to see them do it in a playoff game was something, I mean, that I don't think anyone really expected. Um, and I think there's a lot more that we can look forward to when LSU plays Clemson on January 13th. Uh, we have Michael Divinity returning to the team to play in that game, so that's exciting. But this LSU defense defense is about to get – I mean, they have to be feeling great right now, right? Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, shout-out Timothy. Great job getting married. If I was Brandon, uh, this, is, this might be why that Brandon was that Brandon was in the wedding. I would have missed it if it was Auburn playing <laughs> in the playoff game. I mean, I would I'll, I'll miss my own wedding if Auburn was in a playoff game because I would have been in Atlanta. I guess that that shows you how um, insane of a fan I am. 
Um, got my priorities all out of whack. But Justin Jefferson, man, I too, I want to highlight. Four, 14 catches, 230 yards, and four touchdowns. He got are snubbed. You, I mean, all, he, are you listen, joking? He's not, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's the best wide receiver on the field this weekend. He's not even the best wide receiver on his team, but this guy can fall. I mean, I've been saying it all season. People kind of laughed at me because I'm talking about LSU's wide receiving core and being one of the best in the nation with Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Terrace Marshall Jr. But, I mean, after this game, can you really – I mean, can you blame me? They all, no. all three of them look great. No and doubt. Bad Moss on top of that. Dude, it's a bold strategy to let Randy Moss's son just run right up the seam by himself. <laughs> right. That was a bold strategy. But – you know, I don't think this LSU offense, you know, they did – they went above and beyond what we thought, but I think we all thought they were going to have a field day with Oklahoma. Um, what was funny is that Joe Burrow after the game said that they all expected this. Like, this wasn't out of the ordinary. That's insane. Yeah, that's stupid. I mean, and the real winner, I think, you know, if you listen to any, you know, pre uh, post-game thing, Claude Edwards-Hilaire – he is jumping for joy because he had two carries for 14 yards and he got to sit and rest. And now he gets what, 14 days to rest now? It was 15 after the game. Yep. Uh, I mean, but uh, he sat because he about got his head taken off. Um, Yeah. I mean, there's a targeting call. That was Uh, such a dirty hit, bro. That was such a dirty hit. He wasn't, and to not even be in the play, uh, that's just, that's, like, he knew he was injured to this thing. It was just, that was, that was ridiculous. Like, I'm all for hard hits, and I'm not the biggest targeting fan. We'll get to that in our last game. But that, that is what targeting is supposed to, talk, like, get out of the game. Because that kid, even if Oklahoma won, he should have been suspended for the next game. Right. That's just blatant yeah. assault on the football field, and that's ridiculous. And I know the kid don't listen to our podcast, but that, that, that kid – that kid's got some issues internally that probably need to be addressed because that hit was absolutely ridiculous and that should not be ever be allowed in football. But, no. and you know, in the NFL, that's probably what a $25,000 fine or more. Yeah. At least. I mean, that, that was a, that was a big blow to the head. That um, was stupid. That's disrespectful. But you know, uh, there's another Oklahoma player I want to address all respect to him his last ever game as a college football player he's had a hell of a career but man that as much as I hate to say it we've called him Jalen Hosman the first four weeks of the season until Burrow got on his you know just hot streak but this is why Jalen Hurts left the SEC guys I mean no yeah I mean Jalen Hurts class act he was really upset at the game too yeah, I mean, at, I think at halftime he had what two completions or something crazy like that. I mean, just yeah, well, absolutely great. And I think CD Lamb was the only person who had a catch. Uh, I think you're right. But so I mean, see, we didn't even see CD Lamb in his full capacity. That's that's crazy. But yeah, uh, and he was he was emotional after the game too. Jalen Hurts was. Yeah, I would be too. I mean, your last game and you got smacked like this. I mean. And I, I, 
you know, I had some friends I talked to during the game who said they were not impressed because it was Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, I don't agree with y'all at all. I don't care if it was a De La Salle high school. To go into a playoff game, yeah, you might not agree that Oklahoma was the number four team in the country. They were a top ten team, no doubt, at 12-1 and one coming into the right. game. Big, big 12 champions. To put up 49 points in the first half, 63 total, almost 700 yards of total offense. I mean, I don't care about anything else. That is impressive. And this is probably the best performance I've seen in a postseason in, in college football history. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, definitely a great game for LSU. It, it's kind of, uh, you know, you hate to see that for Oklahoma, but that's just how it's going to be, how it's going to be. I mean, they, they were playing one of the best teams in the nation. I think there was a big gap between the number one, two, three teams and the fourth team in the playoff. That's a fact. Is I, I think even if you put, you know, the argument was Georgia, the argument was Utah, Oregon, all these teams. I think I think maybe those teams would have had a better defensive performance, but none of those teams were beating LSU in Atlanta on on this previous Saturday. No, I don't think so either. Um, one last thing I wanted to touch on. I don't know what else Zach has to say, but uh, I, I, my thoughts are with Stevens Meager and his family. Uh, the news came out before the game that his daughter-in-law, uh, Carly McCord, was involved in a – plane accident, uh, plane crash. Um, so just thoughts to his family. You, you hate to see that kind of thing. Yeah, that's the last thought I had on this game. Um, you know, thoughts are with the family, you know. And shout out to Joe Burrow for being a class act on national TV when he was broken the news accidentally by the SEC network because Steve Emsinger yeah. and the coaches decided to keep it from the players and Joe Burrow was asked about it in his post-game interview and didn't know and asked to leave the interview to go talk to, talk to his coach. So shout-out for handing, the out, handing you know, that with poise. And, yeah, all thoughts and prayers are with the family of Steve Emsinger uh, on that one. But to move on from you know, a solemn mood there, we come to probably the game of the year um, in Glendale, Arizona, the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl that, you know, even the biggest video game addicts could never imagine playing a game like this. We have Clemson, Ohio State. Clemson pulls out with the six-point win, 29-23. to And, oh, Lord, I know Brandon's broke self has some thoughts about this one. Uh, yeah, I do. So I announced during the game that this game was being played under protest. Uh, that protest is being done by me. There, how, how can you catch a ball, take four steps, and then and then not make a football move? How is one of those four steps not a football move? How do they reverse that catch? And, uh, how do they reverse the catch, fumble, scoop and score by Ohio State? That's insane. Yeah, uh, a thousand percent. Uh, I picked Clemson. I'm glad Clemson won, but that was the worst call ever uh that a fact that was that was a catch and a fumble uh and I've, i know that ohio state made up those points eventually um i believe it was all like the next drive that they scored um yeah but if they would have scored i mean if they would have gotten that score and then they would have scored on the next drive and this would be a totally different game 
it would have been yeah. a totally different game if they would have just scored there. But, yep. you know. Yeah, that's a fact. And, I mean, uh, bad calls all through. Uh, we have been critical of the targeting rule. Um, another questionable one here, to say the least, uh, on Trevor Lawrence. You know, uh, yeah, Ohio State ended up yeah. losing their safety because of it. I mean, I don't know about questionable. That was just a bad call. I mean, in the letter I of mean, the I law, understand. it was targeting, but also okay. uh, judgment, a common, a common sense judgment, like, I guess, amendment to this rule should be made where if it's not malicious and intentional, we should give the – it might have to be a penalty, but you shouldn't eject the kid from the game. I mean, that made a world of difference for the Ohio State defense. That's a fact because, I mean, Trevor Lawrence – let him down to score right after the penalty. I mean, this Ohio State team was up 16-0. to zero. And, then, I mean, it's just it, – it's insane to me. You know, they, but <laughs> it, it, it honestly makes me mad. And, and I, don't, I don't like to get like this when I'm recording. But it makes me so upset that the referees have this much power <laughs> that they can just decide the outcome of the game based off of their calls. Whether they're good yeah. or bad, they decide the outcome of the game. Yeah. A thousand percent. I mean, I just want to say I know football pretty well. Did you know that if you jump and your hand comes down in bounds, that counts as a catch? Because I did not. If that's the first thing to touch, yeah. I did not know that. I thought at least a foot had to touch or something. I mean, as much no, as made anything, in the NFL. Any part of your body, as long as it's – yeah. Well, the NFL is a whole different story. That's why we don't cover the NFL right now. But um, a fact. No. In college, as long as you get one part of your body in, that's why you only have to have one foot in. As long as something hits inbounds before something hits out of bounds, you're inbounds. Mm, it's crazy, man. I mean, what a what a heck of a catch, you know, right there. But I, I just want to highlight – I mean, did anyone know Trevor Lawrence had those moves and those wheels, man? Yeah, I mean, I, was, I mean, we saw it out of him last year some. Uh, but, dude, he, he roasted he, that defense, man. Oh, he did. He, he tore him. That 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 run was up. nasty. He tore them up. Right. I mean that that was dude. When he took when he juked that linebacker, I came out of my seat watching this game. I was like, "Who is this kid? Like, what <laughs> is going on here, man?" And you know, a hundred and seven yards rushing, a touchdown on the ground, two hundred and fifty yards passing, and two more passing touchdowns for Trevor Lawrence. He played an outstanding game, and everyone who counted him out early in the season after throwing a few interceptions, I hope he woke y'all back up. I don't want to see you guys on the bandwagon anymore because a lot of people jumped off. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, one thing I want to talk about before we finish before we finish this before we finish this episode up <laughs> can't talk. Uh, is the miscommunication between Justin Fields and Chris Olave at the very end of the game with that interception that sealed the game. Um, you hate to see that kind of thing. You really do. I mean, to, to have the kind of season that Ohio State had, then to end it like that, it is just it's, – it's awful. Oh, that rips your heart out, man. I mean – I mean, you Chris could... Olave, he came out in his press – in his post-game uh, post presser, uh, saying that he thought that Justin was uh, scrambling. So he's going to run a little bit. You know, he's going to run like a fade in the corner. Uh, turns out 
he wasn't scrambling. He was just stepping up in the pocket and uh, thought he had a wide open receiver. And it, it, you know, you hate to see that. Oh yeah. A thousand percent. You could tell as soon as he let the ball go, Justin Fields knew what happened. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he grabbed his helmet with both, with both hands. He fell to the ground. It was just, Man. Yeah, it's it's gut wrenching, man. Because like this is one of those games where you hate to see either team lose. I mean, oh, exactly. I mean, one of the and this was really one of the best football games I've seen in college. And I mean, and I, I know I say that a lot. This was probably a top two game of the year, uh, at least. And this is probably one of the top five games of the decade, in my opinion. That's a fact. And speaking of that, we'll have that. During our all-season, you know, we'll wrap up, you know, the 2019 decade. We got some all-season stuff planned for that. But I want to talk about the two running backs, too, um, and J.K. Dobbins and Travis Etienne. If you forgot how fast Travis Etienne is, then you were remembered on the 34-yard game-winning touchdown uh, screen pass that they ran. I mean, one, what a, what a genius play call. They Trevor Lawrence was eating them up up the middle, jump pass to – Travis Etienne, and he outran everybody. I mean, the, the, I mean, the guy is unstoppable. I don't have anything else to say about that. I mean, I, I wish he would have come to LSU. He's from Louisiana. Um, ended up at Clemson, and he is just showing out. A- and he's been kind of like sneaky all season. I mean, he's had a great season, but he's been sneaky about it. You know, you haven't heard, you haven't heard good things about him. But, you know, come this game, we saw what he did, and I mean, good for him. Uh, I mean, Clemson outplayed Ohio State, in my opinion, but he was very, very close. A, a thousand percent. And I hate hearing, okay, this is a, I'll get back to J.K. Dobbins in a second. Speaking of that, I hate to hear people make excuses about the refs and people saying the only reason Ohio State lost is because of the refs. That is not true. No. I'm sorry. I mean, yes, there were two major calls. Just like the LSU missed pass interference call from Stingley was a big missed call. Ohio State still should have won that game, being up 16-0 regardless. The refs were not the reason Trevor Lawrence busted a 67-yard run out on the defense. Not the reason Travis Etienne broke a 55-yard reception through your defense. And it's not the reason that your quarterback and wide receiver didn't communicate and you threw an interception in the end zone. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's not one of those situations where the uh, where the officiating ruled the outcome of the game. I know I went on a tangent about that earlier. It does make me a little bit not. I mean, it makes me almost sick, really, to see when that does happen. I don't think that this is one of those instances. I think it may have kind of put uh, the game more in Clemson's favor, but I don't think it decided the outcome ultimately. A thousand percent. And you know, J.K. Dobbins played his best game of the year. I just want to say that, too. I talked about Trevor Lawrence, 175 yards and a touchdown. And if he doesn't get banged up in the late in the first half, that's probably up over 200 because he was gashing Clemson early. Yeah, he was. And if he hadn't gotten banged up in that first half, this could have been a different game as well. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it, go ahead. Oh, I was about to say, and speaking of injuries, I mean, there were a lot of injuries in this game. I mean, we saw T. Higgins leave with a – 
head a head injury early in the first half when he was going up for a ball. We saw Justin Ross get banged up a few times, had to leave the game. We saw Trevor Lawrence have to leave the game for a play. J.K. Dobbins had to go back to the locker room for a play. There were multiple linebackers for Clemson that had to go to the locker room. Some de- all defense and offensive linemen for Ohio State. I mean, this game was physical. I mean, this game was a mini national championship and something to look forward to just – you know, looking ahead, how does this physic, how does the physicality and beatdown of a game like this affect either two? Well, now Clemson because they won, but either of these teams moving forward, you know, facing a team like LSU that had a pretty easy game, and I mean, the starters were out in the early, pretty early in the game, and no one got hurt for them. So, I mean, that has to play a huge role. And, like, watching this game, that's all I could think of is whoever comes out of this game is going to be at a disadvantage because of how um, how great this game was and how physical it was. Right. And like you said, it was kind of like a national uh, – like like a mini national championship. And I kept saying that on Saturday, and people were looking at me like I was an idiot. They're like, no, LSU is just going to smack whoever else. That's not true. I don't – I don't think that's true. Yeah, and, and this is coming from an LSU fan. This is going to be an incredible game, and we'll talk about that more in our preview of it, but this game, watch it. Yeah, watch that's not it. true. I know I say that about a lot of games. Watch this. And I just want to say this before we wrap up the episode. Both playoff games had – had so in Glendale, the capacity is 65,000. They had over 71,000 people show up to that game. Shout out, you know, everyone talks about no one wants to go watch college football anymore. That is not true. And I believe the Chick-fil-A poll, yeah, had 3,000 more people than capacity come to Atlanta for their game. I mean, the college football is at an all-time high, and the playoffs just keep, you know, keep to the intrigue late in the season. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, but that is our wrap-up episode, guys. We're going to come back and recap all the bowl games for you guys. We, we know you guys wanted to hear about those games, especially the playoff games. What a weekend of college football. There are more coming. we still got the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl. I mean, all these games are coming up. Coming up. What, what a time. We cannot wait. I know you guys can't wait. We have a lot of episodes coming out for you guys, a lot of articles on the blog. Uh, keep voting for all decade team. You can find those on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and, you know, of course, follow us on Twitter. We got to step our Twitter game up. Um, Twitter, it is at the underscore underscore blue bloods. Um, on Facebook, it is at the blue bloods pod. And on Instagram, at the underscore blue bloods. Um, it's, this is good. We have a lot of stuff coming out, so make sure to follow us. Rate the podcast. I believe you could do it on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. Uh, keep listening. Keep telling your friends. Keep sharing everything, and we'll be back with more episodes later this week. But for right now, we're out.
up. So you go, I couldn't hold him in. What? What's up? Yeah. He said, I'll with a few punches. <laughs>